Well, hello and welcome to the Crestwood Red Devils podcast. I'm John Murphy, and today I am here with Mrs. Jen Hirsch, and she is Director of Nutrition Services at the Crestwood Local Schools, and talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is food. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming here today, and on a cold, wintry day, um, and like I said, talking about food services here at, at the Crestwood School. So... Tell me, first of all, um, how many students, well, tell me a little bit about your position first and exactly what your position entails. Okay. So as you mentioned, I'm the Nutrition Services Director, so I oversee the entire operation. Um, My office is at the old middle school, the now board office. I have 15 staff members across the three buildings, which is the primary or intermediate middle school. So I write menus, I analyze the menus, um, make sure they meet the um, very strict USDA guidelines. I'm also involved in a lot of the political side with um, some associations I belong to um, through uh, the state of Ohio. All right. So here at Crestwood Local Schools, how many how many students do we serve food? <laughs> um, we look at everything by percentages, okay. and um, it's kind of um, ironic this year, or not ironic, but um, we're seeing a definitely less participation this year because um, than we have the past two years because of all students being on free meals the previous two years. So this year, a, go- a good food service program for schools, you want to feed 50% of your population for lunch, and right now we're at about 40% um, across the board. And again, you attributed that something you said about free meals, but we're not receiving those anymore, right? Correct. Unfortunately, those, um, what it was is the USDA issued over 100 waivers to allow schools across the nation to participate in that program. And those waivers expired June 30th. So we are back to pre-COVID operations where we have statuses for students, free, reduced, and full pay. Um, So we definitely saw a huge increase in participation during that time. We had um, about 90%, again, across um, the district participation when all students were free. But we still kind of have COVID. So um, why did the program get stopped? Is it because we want to give the perception that COVID's over and we're moving on? Yeah, so... So this is, I, I definitely agree with this, and I take it um, to heart again because I've kind of been on the political side. And when COVID first hit, I was actually in D.C. on a Tuesday meeting with our congresspersons, and this is one of our asks, is we really want to push as a school nutrition association for free meals across the country for everyone and just have it really be an integral part of their day. Um, so when COVID first hit, I was, again, meeting with congresspersons on that Tuesday and came back to Crestwood on Wednesday, and Thursday is when we shut down. And my team did not blink an eye. By Tuesday the following week, we were already distributing meals. Um, We helped other districts um, get on the program and help them start. So that felt very good to know that, you know, kids across this district, this county, were being fed. Um, Fast forward to this past March, we, again, were at our legislative action conference, which is something that um, SNA uh, members can go to every year. And this was the first time we were there in real time. So typically when we go, we have three days of conference and then one day where we charge the hill. We meet with our congresspersons and we um, kind of ask them, okay, when you meet, again, this is kind of the things we're looking for. And this was the first time it was in real time. So our conference um, sessions were being interrupted and they were telling us, okay, where is our Tennessee table? We need you to meet with this congressperson and this congressperson because they are, you know, against um, against it and you need to give them the information and why it's so important. And then we go on with the conference. So it was, it was very emotional emotional because we were hearing the positives and the benefits, you know, the, the pluses and the negatives and really trying to make it work. And I really tried to stay hopeful all summer that 
it was going to happen. And um, they just kept saying June 30th, and we thought something was going to get pushed through. And then they did um, create... Um, kind of a little caveat to the um, the way that we operate, and they allowed to put things back on the state. So right now we're seeing a lot of states um, push free universal meals through. Pennsylvania was the last one, um, and they began that on November 1st. So, Jen, this is a whole new level for you to tell me about your job, because I think we all, our perception of your position here is that you create menus, um, you know, order, order, you know, provisions, if you will, um, and, uh, and, you know, tell the cooks or whatever, you know, how to make the food. But you're telling me that there's a whole political uh, arm of your job, which involves you going to D.C., meeting with Congressman Joyce, Congressman at the time, Tim Ryan, I'm assuming, um, and um, kind of pleading your case, almost like a lobby, right? Correct. And, um, and so are you finding now that that the Congress is kind of against going back to, to covid uh, levels at this time? Is it, I don't want to say whether it's Democrats or Republicans or anything like that, but what's the, what's the tone in DC about this right now then? So this past March is my fourth visit to DC for the um, LAC conference. And the first three years, um, I left there feeling positive. Like we made a difference. They were at least very um, receptive to the information that we were providing them. This last visit, and again, I don't want to blame Republicans or Democrats or either party, but it was very disheartening because there was so much blame. Um, the right was blaming the left. The left was blaming the right. And that was the first time I'd ever witnessed that. So again, left D.C. feeling, um, you know, sad, very sad. Yeah. So are you seeing that there's a tone in D.C. now that's a lot more, instead of saying, yes, we have to keep, feed our kids, there's like suddenly more politics have been inserted into this thing. And it's more about, you know, instead of serving kids, it's about serving constituencies. Do yes, you feel that? I, I do. I think at the end of the day, you know, again, a lot of politicians have agendas. And, you know, I just I always think back to what Dr. Toth always says, like whenever something comes up, is it best for the kids? And, and to, to dummy everything down and to boil it down to its finest point, yes, this is the best for the kids. You know, we, we look at it like we don't um, put our children out to a bus stop um, at the end of their driveway or in their development at the bus stop and hand them a dollar that they hand the bus drivers they're getting on the bus. So it shouldn't really be any different for their lunch. So if you were to make a plea right now to Congressman Joyce and Ryan, if they were listening, which of course I'm sure they listen to this podcast, um, what, would you, what would you tell them? What would your, your plea be, if so to speak? I, I, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. We, it's a benefit for everyone, um, regardless of income. We had such high participation rates, which meant we were ordering more local foods. We were ordering more foods from GFS. Um, you know, really, we had more deliveries, so more truck drivers. I mean, and that's just across the nation. The SNA does such a great job of collecting all this data and all this information. And again, just across the entire nation, we had such a high increase, high increase of participation. And hungry kids cannot learn. I mean, that is the bottom line. Hungry kids cannot learn. And what really um, I take to heart, and I apologize if I get emotional, but um, we're blessed in this district. We have a charge policy that allows our students to charge if they have a negative balance. So my team can happily serve a student. There are many districts, and the majority do not. So if you have a negative lunch account balance, those cashiers have to look a child in the eye and tell them they cannot have food. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine it whether the child's 5, 15, I, I can't imagine asking my team to do that. That seems almost like punishing the kid because their parent, you know, has no income to put in their account. It seems like a little bit 
It seems wrong. It, it is. It is. It's very sad. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, let's move on, I guess, to what we believe is a more, you know, our perception of the more typical nutrition services and the food service here. You mentioned uh, just now that um, one of the things that you do is you, lo- you order local foods. Tell me a little bit about that because that, you know, I see the truck pulling up from Cisco or GFS or whatever, and I'm assuming, you know, supplies are being downloaded. But what sorts of locals, um, people, farmers, if you will, food food providers, food producers, do you, do you get food from? Um, so we do. GFS is our main um, distributor. We get a lot of our products with them. And one of the um, neat features of their website whenever we are ordering is they will denote whether one of the produce items is local. Now, local um, per the USDA is defined as whatever the school food authority decides to do that. So we can say we want to order, you know, just apples within a 10-mile range, but then we're going to do dairy within a 50-mile range. Um, so we have ordered um, apples from Monroe's. We've gotten a lot of um, fresh produce. We loved whenever Kohler's Market was open because myself um, and the kitchen manager here at the high school, um, Mrs. Lobel, would drive down there and kind of grab some of their produce and stock up. Um, our milk comes um, from about a 30-mile radius, so we consider that local as well. And one of the really exciting things I'm working on for um, next school year is to work with our... Um, for um, each club members and try and procure um, a um, cow and a pig so that we can have them um, butchered, of course, at a local shop, USDA approved, all that good stuff, so that we can then um, provide those to our students here at the district. Um, you know, I, you probably don't know this, but I am a, I'm a bee, very, very small beekeeper. And so the idea of local and organic foods has always been interesting to me. Um, but you know, I don't produce a lot of honey, but actually my bees don't produce a lot of honey or they haven't so far. It's my second year doing it. So mostly more stings than honey right now, but, but <laughs> That's we'll, exciting. we'll get there eventually. I'm sure. We have uh, gotten honey from, um, the Kim family yeah. over on um, Pioneer Trail. And we, um, have also gotten a lot of maple syrup from the Goodell family. So, well, you know, um, the, um, um, Guyette's big honey people too. Um, I know that, that Jesse's currently not producing honey right now, but because he gave me his extractor. Well, he loaned me his extractor. He says he's going to get back to it next year, but he was busy with the kids. So love it. But this podcast isn't about Jesse or Jenna, uh, even though they're awesome people. Um, let's talk a little bit more about then, you know, food service here at Crystal Schools. So the food comes in on the truck and you know, it's, it's, it's offloaded on the truck, it's put on the shelves, and then every day our cooks have to, to cook this menu that, tell me about the menu selection. How do you decide what and how the kids are eating? Well, not how, because they know how to eat, but what they're going to eat, you know, every day on a daily basis, weekly basis. Okay. So we really try and follow um, what we already know is popular, you know, and based on the grade levels, it kind of varies or the buildings. Um, And we also really try and follow trends. So, um, you know, we see something out there or we see something that new restaurants are bringing. Um, Our kids, especially at this building, love the concept of build your own, even at the younger grades. You know, I, I always say when we were growing up, you could probably count on one hand how many times your family went out to eat. Um, a month and you know now that won't even happen with um, a week so kids are just so used to going out and they're used to having it their way they're used to the chipotles and the subways and they get to choose their own toppings and kind of create their own um, bowl if you will so we really try and follow the trends um, as far as the menu is concerned okay so um and how many uh, how many employees how many staff are in our food service department nutrition nutrition department we have 15 staff members Um, they are all phenomenal and 
each and every one of them, they, they, they are truly here because they are passionate about feeding the kids. And I, you know, I'll get a, a text from one of the managers on a Saturday afternoon at my kids' basketball game because they are at the grocery store and they're seeing some kind of concept that they think would be really neat to bring back and try in the district. So um, they really are passionate about what they're doing. What are the most popular foods in our district? What do kids love the most? Chicken tenders, okay. chicken sandwiches, pizza. Those are definitely like the top three. I remember like at the a la carte line, it was always pizza and french fries. That seems to be like a very popular item. Yeah, very popular. Um, and uh, you got have a couple different places you get pizza from. You know, I remember when I first started here years ago, 24 years ago, the pizza would just be like these little round things and they didn't look too appetizing at the time but it seems like you branched off and now you order pizza from you know some local people so tell us about you know your partnership obviously with locally Gioninos or Domino's or getting pizza from those places because it seems like it would be expensive for me I guess to order pizza from those places but you just feed all these kids Domino's and Gioninos and it seems awesome yeah so we have a really good partnership with Domino's they are actually um, corporate sponsors of the School Nutrition Association so we have a partnership with them and our local Domino's is um, Debbie Stevens who has three sons that went through Crestwood schools so it's really nice to have that partnership Um, but the neat thing about Domino's is um, we follow very strict nutritional guidelines for what we can provide on the menu and Domino's brought a um, whole grain crust, um, reduced fat pepperoni, um, low fat cheese, and a low sodium marinara. So bringing in all those products and being able to send them to the schools, that has allowed us to put those on the menu um, and meet the nutritional standards that we're required to meet. So um, what are the, can you, in a nutshell, just tell me what the nutritional standards are? Yes. So um, basically the way it works is a school lunch is based off of five components. Um, Those five components are um, whole grains, two ounces of whole grains, um, two ounces of meat, meat alternative, which would be um, your beef or yogurt, and um, one full cup of fruit, one full cup of vegetable, and then eight ounces of fluid milk. And then the vegetable, we are given a chart, and over the course of the week, there's five different categories, and we have to make sure that one vegetable from each of those categories is offered over the course of that week. So I'm fortunate, um, kind of take the menu, plug it into a nutritional analysis, and hit enter, and it'll tell me I'm too far over in sodium, so we need to kind of rearrange things. Um, That's just something as a director, when you're planning the menu, you kind of look at, you don't want, you know, Alfredo and deli meats and hot dogs all in the same week because they're all packed with sodium. So you can offer those things, but we need to balance those and offer one of those a week, not all three in the same week. What are some of the things that you've tried that have just been in the past few years that have just been complete bombs? Um, So one of the things I love about my position and what I do is I get the opportunity to network with food service and and nutrition directors um, uh, really across the nation, some I've met, and then um, also really closely with the state of Ohio and then very closely with Portage County. We meet once a week or once a month um, at Maplewood. But I love that we have the opportunity to network. We are not competitive. We're not a restaurant. So kids at Crestwood aren't going to jump in their car and drive to Parma to have lunch and then drive back. You know, we're, we're not that kind of restaurant. So whatever anyone else is trying, we can do. And there's some things we've tried that have, have worked well. And there's other things that um, we have not, or, you know, tried or they have not worked well. We have tried them and they just have not worked well. Um, kind of the Asian bowl. And it's kind of hit or miss. And one of the things I do try and remind my team is when we try something, they really say you need to have the concept out seven different times for someone to actually um, acknowledge it. Um, so offering it the first time and maybe only having five or six people try it, um, we do need to offer it two or three more times after that. All right. So we no longer have the typical lunch lady um, sort of thing. Um, do It seems like to me like our our 
you know, our nutrition service people that work here at the ground level, I guess we, that's a good term for it, um, are very, very skilled in what they do. You know, I remember, you know, you just seem to be steaming things at the time years ago, but now it seems like so much more care has gone into feeding the kids. Is there any kind of training or you just hire people that are, are good at this sort of thing? Um, I think it's a variety of... Um of things that have brought those changes. I think back when the, the um, USDA started the um, child nutrition program was in 1946, and it was in response to um, our men, and I can say men because at the time it was just men, they were enlisting in the military or trying to enlist, and they were being denied because they were malnourished. So um, the kind of response to that was let's provide these healthy, real hearty meals to these to these young men so that they're ready for, for war. And if you flash forward a mere, what, 60 years, um, we had the Obama campaign, and Every first lady has a campaign that they kind of, you know, um, are the um, forefront for, and hers was childhood obesity. And one of the first things they looked at was the school nutrition program. And back at that time, prior to that, they were allowing things like gummy snacks to be credited as a fruit, ketchup to be credited as a um, vegetable. Mm -hmm. That has all greatly changed. So um, I think that was one of the first really big shifts that we've seen, like, you know, let's have real, we're not going to process things down and put, you know, sweet potatoes in a brownie and call it, you know, a sweet potato. Um, They want kids to see the fruit, see the vegetable, um, and have that on their plate and on their tray. So I think that was the start of it. Um, and yeah, my team, I think of the the, con- the misconception is that they come to work, they heat up some food, they clean up, and they go home, and their day is done. And um, there's so many other um, things that they always have to have in the back of their head, the things that they're preparing, how they're preparing them. Um, and then um, they have production records. They have a lot of paperwork that they have to keep. We um, have deposits. We have to balance with the bank. We have to balance with the treasurer's office. I mean, there's a lot of kind of business operations that I think people don't think about. Okay. All right. So real quick before we wrap up for the day, just tell me a little bit, go back to COVID and um, cause I do want to sing the praises of, of our nutritional services and what they did for the community. So can you, can you just kind of, again, just refresh our memory as to what we provided or what nutrition services provided to this community um, during COVID just, you know, yes, so, to give you all the love and props that you deserve <laughs> for this. Yeah. My, this, again, I get emotional because my team was just so incredible. Um, again, we, Shut down on a Thursday, and the following Tuesday, we already had lines set up and were able to provide communities um, and our students with food. Part of the waivers that the USDA had issued allowed us to provide anyone um, zero to 18 with meals for seven days. So we set up um, the line, we set up a, a drive through line essentially um, at the uh, primary and intermediate buildings, and we would come in and we would pack meals one day a week, and then we would distribute them another day. And, um, you know, it just that. It was, you know, trying try, trying to put yourself back in that time during COVID. We, there was just a lot of unknowns, especially in the beginning. I think everybody just kind of felt the unknown. And, you know, we were listening to the DeWine updates at 2 o'clock. And um, so to put ourselves back in that at that time, um, I could not have been more proud of my team. I just, not one of them came forward and said, well, what about me or what about my health? I mean, everyone was right there, ready to pitch in, ready to help. And um, it was a great, you know, community service that we could offer at that time. Do you have a number of how many meals were given out through the COVID and through this program? I do. I'd have to look it up. I believe it was a little over 100,000. 100,000 meals. 100,000 meals here at Crestwood Schools through the period of 18... that was the one year, so one that year. was even two years together. Okay, so did you provide meals over the summer break or anything like that? Or 
Yeah. Well, this past summer we didn't because everything right. ended June thirtieth. But yeah, mm-hmm. previous to that we and that was the, the year prior to that we never shut off. We usually, you know, shut down our kitchens at the first week of June when the students and the staff are out. And um, the previous summer we did not. We just offered meals all throughout the summer. So one of those wonderful things that you know people might take for granted or have forgotten, which I want to make sure that you put it out there, 100,000 meals, and you haven't even looked, you're not even looking at your sheet in front of you. You're just giving me a round number. So, so Jen, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for your team and thank you for, you know, everything that you've done. Um, and, um, yeah, thanks again. So good luck the rest of the year. Hopefully things change as far as, you know, politics are concerned. New Congress comes in on January 1st or whatever. So maybe you and your, you know, fellow nutritional services people can go up to the hill again, charge the hill. I like how you use that term. Makes me think of the uh, Spanish-American war, you know, and uh, and good luck. Thank you Thank so you. much again. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'll be there in March, though. So. All Fingers right. Crossed. And this has been the Crestwood Red Devils podcast. I'm John Murphy, and we'll see you next time. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Food is glorious food.